Hello and welcome to another episode of the Future Hospitality Podcast. I'm your host, Jeremy Wells, joined today by co-host Dustin Myers. We are partners at Longitude, a hospitality branding and design group. At Future Hospitality, our goal is to interview the brightest minds in the industry, gathering insights, ideas, and inspiration to share with you. If you enjoy the podcast, please be sure to leave us a review. Thank you for your support. In this episode, we speak with Atit Jariwala, founder and CEO of Bridgeton, a real estate company specializing in boutique hospitality investment, development, and operations. Bridgeton is dedicated to innovation and hospitality through expressive design, uncommon experiences, and exceptional service. During our chat, we'll discover the secret to Atit's success, challenges he's overcome along the way, and how he and his team create incredible experiences at each of their properties. Well, let's go ahead and jump in. Atit, thank you so much for joining us today. We're so excited to have you on our podcast. Yeah, great. Thank you for having me, Jeremy and Dustin. And I'm really excited to be on this. Yeah. So we we first met you at HD Expo a couple months ago, and you're on a panel there, and you just had a lot of really um, interesting ideas and information you were sharing. So we just wanted to bring you on the podcast so our um, listeners could uh, you know get some value from that as well. So um, great. But before we dive into kind of the meat of the conversation, I'd love to just hear a little bit more, um, learn a bit bit more about you and about Bridgeton and, um, you know, kind of what your career journey was like and how you got into the field that you're in and uh, just a little bit more about that. Yeah, for sure. Um, So my my background um, is that I actually grew up in a town called Bridgeton, Missouri. Um, So, you know, not, not close, but not too far from you guys. Uh, and, um, the, uh, my parents managed in Connor Lodge motel, uh, in Bridgeton and I grew up there. And so my, um, that kind of, and, and I helped them out with all the chores that it would take to, to manage a hotel. And what was great about it is that we had a swimming pool. So I, um, I got to swim in the pool, but it, it, it really got me into that, the general real estate and hospitality world, um, really from the time I could walk. And, um, and I couldn't shake it. I, I, you know, I went, I went to undergrad out East and, um, to Yale university and went out of undergrad. I worked in investment banking in New York city and in the real estate groups there, uh, because they liked that I had some level of understanding in real estate. And then I, you know, I only did that for, for three years. And then I worked at a real estate development, uh, firm, uh, that focused on hospitality and, um, other real estate. And that's kind of really where I, um, got into it and started loving it a lot. And, um, and, and I've been in that, and, and then I went to business school and started this company Bridgeton, which, which I just took my learnings from those prior experiences and really tried to create a firm that, uh, that I, that I thought could be my own, but focused, um, on hospital, really kind of the hospitality was going to be a core strength. So that's, um, that's kind of what got me here today. Yeah, that's a really cool uh, overview of the journey. Like, what was when you were starting Bridgeton, and you said you went kind of yeah. went back to school, and kind of like, what was it like building that from scratch, and like getting the team, the right people on board? Like, how did you, you know, what did the first few years of that business look like? Yeah, sure. So I, um, I did an intro. So when I was in business school, I actually did an internship at a company called CIM Group, which is a pretty large uh, investor of real estate. And while I was there, um, I met, um, my first hire, um, and my partner now, uh, Akash Sharma, he was, uh, he was working there. So he was, a 
he was an analyst or an associate there and I was, I was senior to him and we were working on deals for a few months. And so when I, when I left uh, business school, that was in between my first and second year of business school. When I left business school, you know, he, I was able to recruit him uh, and, um, and he joined me. And so he was my first kind of key person. And then outside of that, I, you know, it was, um, I kind of, I, I didn't take a scientific approach. I think if I restarted Bridgeton today, I'd probably be more scientific about it. I kind of took a kind of stroll and find um, great people approach. And so um, Jeff Harrelson joined me next and, um, and he, he had a long history and track record in real estate investing and, um, and kind of like more of a corporate person. I had retired from HSBC in a senior role. And then I met him through an attorney and it kind of just, I kind of built the firm with great people that I thought could add value versus a more scientific approach where I'd say, Hey, okay, well, we need someone that has, you know, great architectural background, great investment background, great development background. Let's bring all these pieces together and build the firm together. But at the time, you know, there wasn't a lot, there wasn't any money. So I kind of went through and struck deals how I could and, and kind of went and leveraged, you know, outsourced firms and whatnot as much as possible at the beginning. So what was the first project that you guys took on together? So the first project we did um, was actually, a, you know, um, so it, it wasn't a hospitality project. So the first project we did and, and what happens, so a good question. I think the um, sometimes in hospitality, like especially the first deal is can be a little hard to get financing because debt financing is hard. Um, finding investors is a little bit more challenging until you have a track record. So the first deal we did was actually an apartment community in New York City. Um, that um, we bought um, and ended up doing really well. And so the investor that ended up buying that with us um, ended up buying, um, um, ended up allowing us to purchase our first hotel as well um, because we did so well on that project. And, um, and so the hotels we ended up buying were, um, um, you know, there was a, a hotel project here in Boston, actually in Boston, uh, that we ended up buying um, that was a limited service hotel that we were able to renovate into uh, more of a um, more of a boutique feeling hotel. And that kind of got us started here. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, I'm curious kind of a little more about your your childhood influence and growing up in the industry. What were yeah. the aspects of hospitality that um, you really wanted to tap into with your with your life work? aspects of my childhood that tapped into my life work. So I'd say that I, I would say actually part of my childhood in the hospitality business in, in my, my father being very cost conscious. Uh, I mean, we grew up in an econo lodge and, you know, we were trying to save dollars as much as possible. And, you know, I'd actually say the learning I had is Sort of the sort of the op. It, it's sort of like it was. It was both like I wanted to be like him in terms of understanding, you know, economics and math and making sure things um, work really well. But on the other hand, it took me a few years to shake some of that learning. So I went. I originally went into so for the prior firm I was with before Bridgeton, I was a partner there. I became a partner there very quickly, and we ended up buying a bunch of hotels and whatnot. Primarily focused, you know, um, on. Um, franchised and branded hotels. Mm -hmm. And that made sense to me growing up because it's like, well, I'm running hotels as a business um, of just 
selling hotel rooms as almost like a commodity. You know, it's like, it's not my playbook. I'm not looking to create experiences. I'm not looking to create a lifelong memory. I'm providing shelter for someone for a night or two or three or whatever. And, and in that case, it was creating something like basically trying to save as much cost as possible. Cause it's like, well, I'm more, I'm a branded hotel. Like why would I overspend? And in fact, one of the first deals I did in New York as part of that other company was buying a franchised hotel and saying, Hey, it's in New York city. Um, why don't I upgrade the sheets and linens and stuff? Because the rate is so high and maybe I can get a rate improvement. And I, the brand came back to me and said, Hey, you can't do that. You know, thank you for upgrading and giving nicer sheets and soaps, but that's not a brand standard. And I'm like, but I'm charging triple what the brand standard rate is. <laughs> like, I mean, <laughs> so the like, other I mean, ones look bad. Yeah, no, exactly. Which <laughs> I thought, I thought that was silly. I'm like, you're not like saying good job, you know? And so that was probably the biggest lesson, you know, saying, okay, a team, maybe, you know, the childhood lessons you learn about like maybe improving and cost cutting won't work. Maybe you can't do branded hotels, you know, like that's not, that's not for you. And I think that was the start of me focusing on independent properties because I realized that, you know, um, we, we could give a better, a better guest experience. So I'm not, I'm not, I'm sort of answering your question. Like I, my lesson I learned is that if, if I want to be in this branded hotel space, you probably want to be pretty cost conscious like the way my father operated. But I think the way I operate now and the way we, we operate our hotels, we operate smartly. Like, you know, we don't want our customers to feel ripped off, which is how I kind of felt back then where I'm a branded hotel and they're used to paying, you know, $50 a night, you know, um, for a comfort in, call it, you know, in St. Louis or $60 and we're charging 200 And, you know, and, and like it just, you know, we got a lot of customer complaints. They're like, why am I paying so much? By the way, the room is smaller. There's no amenities, there's no swimming pool, there's no gym, right? It's New York City for those, those types of products. Um, and I now have to do the same sheets and, and soap. So anyways, I, I, I learned that like in order to, um, to really, and, and maybe this is a conversation for later, but you know, I've, I've learned that in order to really get you know, customers happy is that I got I to gotta give them a product they want. Yeah. And that means creating my own story. Yeah, definitely. You know, not to age you or, or, or force you to kind of age yourself, but when you when you were doing these branded properties, like what year was that, or when you started doing those? Yeah, so that was like two thousand five, two thousand to two thousand eight. Okay, so like I'm curious, like as you were, because you know when you started out with those branded properties, and then when you you know fast forward to when you started Bridgeton, like what sort of shift did you see? in like the uh, guests and traveler preferences to where, um, you know, maybe yeah. the appeal of a branded property was, was becoming less so in, in travelers and they're more looking for these boutiques. Like what, what was that transition like in consumer mindset um, that you saw? Yeah. So, I mean, what I saw is that, um, you know, in, in Europe, at least at the time and in mo- uh, most of the world, independent hotels and like, like boutique hotels and independent hotels were the more of the norm than the branded hotels. The U S is like, so concentrated in brands. And, um, and we went to, uh, we went back and like looked at the history of like hospitality in a way. And, you know, the first hospitality, the first hotels in, in the, in the U S really were, um, or really the first places you would stay would be in these rooms above like a bar or a restaurant. 
and they were like more social places. And so it's like, Hey, you came into a city, you found a room, but this is before hotels existed. And you found a room and you like stayed there above, usually above a bar or a club or something like that. And you may stay there for a long time because you didn't want to get a house and you were traveling a lot. And what happened is, you know, when the highways were created and Holiday Inn came in because they were kind of one of the pioneers in this, was they started pumping out these, these hotels. And eventually over the decades that Holiday Inn became Holiday Inn Express. And that, that Holiday Inn Express box is what defines a lot of hotels today or, or did where it just became, like I was saying before, a commoditized place to stay versus a social space. And what I started to answer your question, what I started, what we started seeing like a decade ago is that there started being a shift from back, back to like how hotels were meant to be uh, experienced, which is not just a commoditized room. And, and, and of course there's, there's a need for that, of course, you know, for people that uh, just want, um, you know, a room to stay in for a night, but for many people, it's, it's about that bar scene and that restaurant scene and, and kind of that cool space. And, and I, we started seeing 10 years ago that, you know, hotel bars are cool bars, hotel restaurants are the cool restaurants. Like, you know, they, they, they stand for more than a standalone storefront, a retail storefront. They stand for something much larger and grander. And, um, and so we started focusing on that, like, how can we make an impact? And so a lot of our hotels, you'll see the Bristol hotels, we're not typically in like the city center. So we're not in New York City, we're not in Times Square. And part of that is, you know, we as a hotel can't make a big impact in that neighborhood. There's just so many of them. Mm. You know, we have a hotel in Greenwich Village in New York, and we're one of the few hotels in Greenwich Village, maybe two or three other hotels in Greenwich Village in Manhattan. And we have have our big hotel in Tribeca, which is part of like a blossoming art scene there. And we are an anchor in that neighborhood. And so for me, I found that people like being associated with the larger hotel presence in the neighborhood and people started feeling like, Hey, I can go to the rooftop bar and I can go to the cocktail lounge and I can go to the restaurant all in one location. And it's kind of, and that kind of vibe and atmosphere and the, the, uh, and everyone can feed off the energy can feed off each other versus going to a restaurant and then walking across the street and going to a bar and, and et cetera. So I think people really like that. And we started seeing that about a decade ago. And that's been our focus. Yeah, I think it's really cool that um, you're tracing it all the way back to like the earliest hospitality uh, concept in this yeah. nation. And it kind of reminded me of like the John Wayne movies where uh, they just camp out for as yeah. long as they need to. And it's kind of just a completely different experience than um, what we saw after that. Totally. I mean, the way we all have grown up really is where it's more, especially in the United States, where it's, it's just a commoditized room in a way. And, you know, great, you know, trailblazers like Ian Schrager and, um, and, and other folks like him, have Chip Conley, you know, they, they really showed us that hotels can be cool and interesting and unique. And, and a lot of more people have followed those footsteps. And, I, and I'd say that more, more recently, it's, it's been clear to me that that is the strategy of the future. I mean, I, I think that, you know, probably going back four or five years, certainly the last, it's accelerated dramatically in the last two years. You know, I've personally seen people spending a lot more of their income on experiences, you know, like, whereas a business trip, you know, eight years ago, even, you know, to, um, to Columbus, Ohio, 
you know, I may have just said, Hey, listen, I'm, I'm going to Columbus, Ohio. I'm landing. I got this meeting in this, this location, you know, where's the closest hotel so that I can go to the meeting and, um, you know, stay in this, you know, basic hotel and, and, um, go to, and come back. Whereas now I'm, I hear more and more stories of people saying, Oh, I'm going to Columbus, Ohio. Where's the cool hotel in Columbus, Ohio. Okay, cool. We're going to go stay at that cool hotel. And yeah, it's only 20 minutes away, you know, and great. I get to like not waste an evening. And, and I feel like that's a big deal with today's Instagram world. They don't want to waste a moment. They want to be special and they want to like say they haven't like and show their friends. They're going to showcase their friends now, which they didn't before say that, Hey, we've actually, we, we experienced life really great. And, and I think that, I think that's only accelerating where people don't want to waste the day. They don't want to waste an opportunity to experience something. And they're willing to spend more of their net worth and their income for that experience. Um, you know, not to say that they're going crazy, but they'll, they're willing to spend more than I would have, you know, eight years, 10 years ago. Um, you know, I'm not going to, they're, they're willing to spend double, triple for that great experience. So I, I've definitely seen that accelerated, certainly in the, mo- in the last two, three, four years. Yeah, that's that's really interesting. You brought that up, the social media side of it, because you know, if you think about that timeline of the last decade, consumer preferences changing alongside the growth of social media. You know, it's not anymore. You're just, you know, obviously people want to make memories and have good experiences personally and with their family and colleagues, but but now you have the extra layer of not only do I want to make a good memory, but I also want to share that memory. I also want to. Put like, you know, send it out to my social media network and, and, you know, get those likes yeah. and shares and all this stuff. So it's like this added layer of clout and, you know, intrigue that you want for your social channel. hundred percent. It's also what one, one word I learned in business school is FOMO, yeah. fear <laughs> of missing out, you know? And it's, it's sort of like, um, I think it's, it's like, Hey, listen, like these guys are going and doing, experiencing great things. Well, I want to, too, you know, <laughs> so it's like, and it's Instagram, like obviously like magnifies and, you know, kind of reimagines a lot of people's worlds to probably be more interesting than possible. But anyways, the, the end effect is that I think more people want those experiences, you know, and they want to showcase the more lively parts of their lives. And, um, and that kind of relates back to like not wasting a day if they don't have to. <laughs> so. Yeah, 100%. And if you zoom out even further, it is because of the internet that we're yep. able to have these boutique experiences. Like the reason you 100%. wanted a holiday in Express is because you knew what you were going to get in a city that you'd never been to. And you, like you're saying, you didn't want to waste a day. Now with the internet age and the information and uh, crowdsourced information, like you can visit the hotel before you even go to the city. And so now it's like, why would I go to uh, like a Holiday Inn Express or something where I know what to expect when I can expect something new, but I have the the social proof that it's going to be something cool. Great point. Absolutely. That's that's on target. I mean, it, it, those brands were created and they stick stringently to their brand standards because they haven't been able to shake the fact that um, that that was very important for decades yeah. that like brand consistency was the most important thing before TripAdvisor existed. And, right. you know, and, and like it's, it's now that you've got all these online travel agent channels and with reviews and TripAdvisor with reviews, 
you know, you know, you definitely don't need that commoditized experience anymore. Uh, and, you know, I think, you know, it, it, it's still, I still know people who focus on that, that, that those brands and they do well, but, you know, I think that like, it's, um, it, you definitely don't need it, you know, and, and you, you know, we've seen even brands started to launch soft brands and that's like their growing thing or like their quote boutique hotel brands like AC by Marriott and stuff, but, um, or Indigo by, you know, IHG and, um, and, um, but, uh, which don't have true brand standards, you know, they're like rough brand standards really. But, um, I, um, but I completely agree with you that that changed the world. We don't need it. So on the topic of um, creating these truly unique experiences, um, I know that yeah. just looking through your portfolio, like the the properties are gorgeous, the the restaurants, the bars, the hotels. Thank you. What has been your kind of methodology and approach to creating hospitality experiences? Yeah, so it's um, it's very it's very different per per hotel. So the the the, the first thing is a and, and you know, I'll, I'll go back to like, um, uh, not to knock my, uh, my childhood life experiences because it was, it was, it was terrific, but like, but to go back to my childhood life experience, it was, um, it was very, it was very different. It was like, you know, very much like this, you know, standard, you know, like way of thinking uh, the way and, and, and saving costs. So I, I remember like, you know, my first hotel project, I was like hiring an interior designer. And I was like, I'm paying that much for that. <laughs> Remember one FF&E supplier was like, we'll do the interior design for you. Like, it's free if you buy the interior, you know, the stuff for us. And I'm like, oh, that's a no brainer. Why would anyone buy it for an interior designer? <laughs> and obviously that was a while ago. And I've, I've, I've learned since then that like, <laughs> like you know, um, that design and experience and um, um, obviously like uh, branding uh, is it, just a cri- it's critical to these hotels. And, and so what, what we try to do when we look at a new project, um, and identity, it was a, the other one I was missing, um, is this critical. Um, and what one, um, when we were doing our, uh, our projects now, we look at the property, we look at the bones, we look at the location, and then we, we spend a lot of time. I spend a month thinking through what is it that we want to achieve here? So who is our guest? So we think about imagining who's staying there and how are they going to enjoy it? And so, you know, our hotels are fairly different. If, um, you know, just, just the name two or three examples, you know, Walker Tribeca was very much designed as a place to um, take you to what's next. So it's like meant to be, it's a smaller hotel room, but we have an incredible amount of amenity space. We have a rooftop bar, we have a cocktail lounge, we have a restaurant, we have a blue bottle coffee shop. We're going to have a, you know, hopefully many Michelin star restaurant. They're also building on top of that. And then we have a lobby bar. We have a lot of F&B spaces and, um, and none of them are huge. They're all kind of like intimate spaces in a way, um, you know, 50, hundred people. And, and the hotel itself has, you know, 171 rooms, but they're not very large. And the whole point is that like, and they were designed to be like a Walker loft. Like you are a New Yorker, you're coming in and if, instead of like, renting a loft on Airbnb or, um, or staying at your friend's place, or if you owned it, um, you now are staying at the Walker hotel loft that it was designed to look like a, you know, a, a traditional loft in Walker, um, in, um, in Tribeca. 
And, and that was, that's the, that was the experience is like a sort of like a go, go, go guest with a lot of F and B, um, a lot of drinking venues and a place to like take you to what's next. Um, it's very different than our hotel, call it Maram in Montauk, which is, you know, barefoot luxury. And, and that was like, that was a no brainer to us, like just true luxury. It's, it's like just very simply designed open spaces. We didn't, we didn't clutter things with tons of art. We just put beautiful plaster walls up, um, just a gorgeous bathroom with waterworks fixtures and like just a simple bed. And like we were, we wanted it to be very simple because the beauty was looking out your window and seeing the ocean and the beach. And, um, and we kind of layered it on with like really great food. So we chose this, you know, incredible, like I, I, we actually suck up, suck out these, uh, great, um, um, chefs from Argentina, which I can talk about if, if it's interesting, but the whole process there, but we really wanted this outdoor asado grilled cooking and food that was very much a beach like food that they didn't have in Montauk. And that there's such a great hit there. Uh, but it's very simple and, and it's, it's delicious and it, it, it works really well with what we were trying to create there. And then, then just the last thing is like during East Hampton, the East Hampton is a very different town than Montauk. Montauk's a beach town, beach vibes. Uh, it's lively. East Hampton is more of your stately estates on the ocean, near the ocean, very wealthy people. Um, and the design of Journey East Hampton is very much like mimicking that lifestyle. It's very, very nice. It's very high-end design. It's, it's, it's very upscale. It's, it's, um, it's just a very beautiful place. It's, it's, you know, we've, we've layered on a lot of decor and decorations in the rooms and in the lobby and throughout the, the grounds. And so that, that was meant to mimic what you would be staying at in East Hampton because that's the type of guests we're getting, guests of those guests. That's why you come to East Hampton sometimes. So anyways, a little longer than I was expecting, but like that is generally each, each project, we're trying to think about who is our guest and how can we best make their stay um, amazing, you know, like and memorable. Yeah, that's super cool. I, I love your, the little quote you said of, you know, design experience and identity is critical. And, you yeah. know, I think for a lot of people, the design, the interior design, the architecture and the identity, the branding, you know, things like that are, are pretty seemingly like, um, straightforward as far as how you approach them and, and how you get to good outcomes there. Um, just cause they're more tangible. When you think of like an experience, um, it's not yep. as tangible all the time. Um, and I think, you know, just the thought and effort you guys put into, um, you know, you mentioned you think about it for months even of like, what's the experience that our guests are going to have here. And, you know, I think that's really awesome and like special about your properties, how you approach that. I know one thing we, we talked Thank about, you. you know, prior to this recording, even, um, you had mentioned that there's, you, you guys do a lot of programming and special events at your properties mm -hmm. and to help kind of cultivate that experience. So um, I think that's one really unique thing you guys do. Um, and I'd love to hear more about the programming of your spaces within your hotel and, you know, why that's important to the overall experience. Yeah, sure. I mean, I think what, what we wanted, you know, we, I, I believe that um, I have a bit of a duty to, um, to make my guests experience as great as possible. And I also think it's a privilege to be able to do that. Creating lifelong memories, um, is, is something that I take seriously, you know? And, and, and so like for, for me, these experiences 
are a way to build these lifelong memories for our guests. And, and like, you know, and of course, sometimes they lead to press and PR, which is great. Um, but ultimately, what we're trying to do is get really loyal guests for our hotels and our brand um, as Bridgeton and, and something that we, we take really seriously. Um, and in fact, you know, we were just at our corporate retreat um, about three weeks ago. And um, one, that was like a big point of topic that, you know, we're only going to focus on hotels um, where we can really make an incredible, like we can really create great great guest experiences uh, so to answer your question what are those experiences well they're, they're all over the place i mean frankly we, we think like right now there's actually a there's a meeting going on um, that i'm missing that is all about thinking through our monthly programming uh, for like the walker tribeca and walker Grinch village for the next couple months and where we just think about hey what is it we want to do for what for what time period for what experience so so, so what are some of these examples to, to give concrete examples? Just recently, just right now, um, is like Breast Awareness Month. And, um, and that's like, you know, that's a big deal. And like, we're, we're really big supporters of the cause and, and whatnot. We created a couple of guest rooms at Walker Tribeca that are entirely in pink. So we've, we, we totally redid cool. the room. Yeah, and, and everything in that room. And it, it's, it's a fun room. It's really beautiful. It's actually really cool. We have a, we've had a bunch of Instagram influencers who've actually asked if they could take photo shoots there. Um, and, um, and, and it's also for a good cause. So all the pros, a lot of it, it's, it's matched with a nonprofit world. And, 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 you know, we're really big into that and giving back. And so all, anyone who stays in those rooms, all hundred percent of those proceeds are going to, to, um, to the um, uh, breast cancer awareness. And so we, we did that. And that's like a little fun thing um, that people get, that people could stay in. Um, you know, a few months ago, we did something for, for Mother's Day where we brought in um, a tattoo, a really great tattoo artist for Miami um, that um, would do tattoos, either like permanent and non-permanent tattoos. Um, and we set up this like cool little tattoo parlor uh, within one of the hotel rooms and, um, and caused it to be like a, a tattoo parlor. And all the proceeds went uh, to, um, to some benefit. And That's then, really cool. um, yeah, that, it, that was fun. Did you get a tattoo while they were there? <laughs> I I, did, I got a little henna tattoo, <laughs> so, <laughs> so it was non permanent. And it actually we we actually said that if you if you wrote um, like something about your mother, it was like actually a little bit more. <laughs> so it was, it was it was just it was like a fun it was a fun thing. Uh, and then and, you know um, a couple other examples. We we actually created a movie theater room. Like so we we created we we, we totally we totally changed two bedrooms into like two personal movie theaters, like we, we uh, like little mini miniature movie theaters. We put everything from like the red velvet carpets, I'm um, sorry, uh, curtains to a popcorn machine, um, to really great lounger chairs. So a really huge screen. Um, and, and we just gave it away, you know, it was first come first serve. It was just for fun. And, and like, it was, it was like, you know, I, it was so great. I think we've kept it up long, much longer than we expected. Um, because people just had it. It was just like a fun thing to be able to pop in a movie if you were there uh, by yourself or with a significant other and wanted to just have like a chill evening and watch a cool movie in a movie room. Um, and, and we wanted to make sure the design of that room was beautiful and interesting, not just like, a, oh, here's a movie room with a couch and a, and a TV. We actually wanted to feel like you're going to a movie theater. And it was like your own private movie theater. And so that was a, that was a really great thing we did there. 
Um, and, and, and I can go, I can talk about a ton of experiences. But the last one I'll say is we, because we just did it, um, is at Walker Greenwich Village, we worked with this amazing curator of, of like ballet and, um, and, and he did a silent, um, uh, silent, uh, show where, when it, with people in the, in the theater and in the living space in our restaurant. And so these incredible artists, um, did this whole like couple hour performance while people were sitting and eating and like chilling out in the lobby. And it was a complete surprise to people. And it was really cool. It was really great. And, and these were like truly amazing professionals. Um, and, um, Brendan Fernandez is the name and he, he was just an incredible, incredible artist. And, um, and we, we just think about these like every month we're, we're trying to think through other types of experiences like that, that are, that are, they're fun and unique. Of course, we layer that on with just basic experiences, you know, that are like, like a daily ritual, you know, like, and, and like at Maram, we like, you know, have, um, you know, the, the, the kind of like the yoga and stuff like that people have, but we also match it with like weekly we do, we bring in some great, um, speaker to come in that speaks about something in the world. Like we just had a futurist come in and talk about the future. And it's just like a, it's just like, you know, a couple times a week, we'll have this a great speaker come in and talk about something and, and everyone's just invited to join. Um, and it's, it's kind of a fun, cool thing to do. Um, we're going to do a pottery making class. It's randomly, you know, we'll be there on a Saturday and whoever's around can just make some pot if they want and bring it home. Um, and so we, we, and, and that's part of our kind of, um, more of our uh, maker type of program that we have in Maram, but that, that we, we do that with like bead making and other types of jewelry. But anyways, I think, so and we have so many experiences that we think about and it's all a lot of fun. And the whole point of it is to be memorable and be unique. That's really cool. I mean, one of the potential downsides to not just following a brand standard is that a lot of things can go wrong. There's a lot of details that you have to get just right. And it hasn't ever been done before. Have you guys had any projects that um, went terribly wrong at any point in the process? Um, yeah, we have. Um, <laughs> um, we've, we've had some projects that, you know, I, you know, I'd say that like, I don't know if it's, it's terribly wrong, but we've had projects where we pulled, you know, like you're like, Hey, we really want to do this, but um, maybe we should, we can't do it. <laughs> and so we pulled the plug on it. Um, for, for one reason or the other, you're right. And, and it, and it's hard because we, we're not trying to do the same thing over and over again. We're kind of experiencing it. And sometimes we partner with people that, um, that were like, okay, maybe this shouldn't work out. One, one thing we did, I'll tell you, like we, we did it, but it was like, it was like a little stressful is we did, we tried, we did something called a day in their shoes. And it was about, it was about guests being able to jump on a bike and following New York um, bike messengers. So that's like a big thing. Delivery and bike messaging is like a that's big so thing. Cool. And these, these bicycle riders, you see them, I mean, they're zipping through in and out of traffic. They're crazy. You know, they're like awesome drivers. And so we, we, uh, we were like, Oh, we're going to do a day in their shoes. And it was like more than a day in the shoes. It was like, we did it for, we were going to do it for like a month and where guests can line up and sign up and then follow a bike messenger around and, and they would start at one hotel and end at the other hotel and back. But it was like kind of a fun way of experiencing New York while the bike messenger showed them around town. Um, and we were, we were about to launch and right when we were about to launch, you know, we were like launching, we were talking about it to the company and our general counsel was like, 
what are you guys doing? <laughs> like, uh, wait, hold on. <laughs> We're like, I'm like, Jeff, what are you talking about? Like, it's going to be so much fun. So great. And he's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Do you got insurance for this? <laughs> like, what if someone trips and falls or following a bike messenger throughout the city? Like, really? Like, we're like, what oh, okay, got like, we got like, yeah, no, what could go wrong? We're like, okay, okay. He's like, he's like, you absolutely cannot do this. <laughs> like, okay, got it. So we, 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 we did it, um, but we had to get insurance for it. So, and we had to like have these waivers signed and all this other legal stuff that we, you know, fine print. And like, we're like, all right, but like, but it was one of these things that we had to delay it for, for a few days actually. So, um, until, until we figured that all out, but, um, but yeah, so those types of experiences do happen. Um, and, and from time to time, and, but it's, it's, you know, it's, it's, fun. it's all, it's all fine. Like we all work through it from time to time, but that was a fun, that was a fun event. So one other important piece that I know we've talked about and you've, you brought up a little bit, um, in our conversation is, you know, to create like an experience, like the ones that you have at your, your properties and your F and B outlets and all these places, like, obviously it takes a, a great team to do that. And not only a, a team of like, you know, fr- in the, from the development standpoint, you know, when you're actually developing the hotel and property, but yeah, also, you know, obviously your team and the culture you're, and the atmosphere you're creating on site. And so how do you yeah. like, you know, how do you pick and choose the vendors, the consultants, the partners, the team members you work with, and, and then really like go about curating and building that like a team, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. So it, 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 I would say it takes energy and effort. Um, and the main reason is because for me, um, these are my most important projects. I mean, th- this is what I live and breathe. Um, and, and, um, and if, if I feel that the vendors and the partners I have in these projects aren't, don't think of it as just as important to them and just as life altering for them, then I won't use them. Like, you know, I, I probably shouldn't say this, but when, when, if, if I'm getting pitched and I, I, I call them empire builders, if, if I'm, if I'm being pitched by someone, um, I, I remember, you know, one restaurant tour who we were thinking about partnering with, and he was like, I'm doing this project here and I'm doing that project here. And I got three projects over there and I got five. And I'm like, wow. I mean, like, you're busy. Like, you're not going to give a crap about my project. <laughs> like, you know, like, I mean, I'm just like one of the next 20 projects you're doing. Like, I'm like, I'm clearly not that important to you, you know? Mm. And, and like, and so I call them empire builders. And, and so this is the reason why, like, I wouldn't use David Rockwell for interior design, you know, like I'm not, it's not that I don't think he's incredibly talented. And I think the, all these folks are really talented. I just need, I just need a very talented um, partner and group that cares enough about my project. Like I want it to be studio changing, you know, for someone, you know, I want it, I want it to be the, the highlight of the career today, you know, or close to it or, you know, or important enough to them that they're going to spend energy and effort on it. Um, um, you know, maybe, maybe it doesn't have to be studio changing, but like, that's ideal. You know, yeah. um, you know it, it, it's a catch 22, right? Because obviously you don't, I want to go too early in someone's career where they haven't been able to prove that they can handle it. Um, but at the same time, I don't want them to be so discovered that like now they've, you know, they, they, they're, they're the main principles aren't working on my project. Right. You know? Like now they have like this deep bench of 50 people and I've got, you know, I potentially can get the C team, you know, once the A team signed me up. And yeah. so that's, 
that's something that's really, truly important to me. I, I'm, and, and, and that's one of my biggest things is, is, is really discovering folks that, um, frankly, are maybe in the peak of their careers, but unknown as, at, maybe not as known as some firms. So that's kind of, that's kind of how I, I try to choose. And, 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 you know, it depends on, I'm, I'm being, I'm being vague because, because we're talking about like, you know, probably 10 different types of folks, but, um, but it, when it comes to certain things, I know some people are just better at it than others. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll pick on interior design, for instance. You know, the, I've found that I've made the mistake of hiring interior designers whose projects all look very similar. And when they pitched me, they're like showing me design documents that are much different. And, and, um, and I'm like, okay. And, and they pitch me that they could do the design that I like. And then, you know, ultimately I hire them and they came back with the design that looks like the projects they've done in the past. And so, mm-hmm. um, um, and so what I've learned is that, you know, at least with interior design that like folks are, um, sometimes like they're really good at their craft and their craft is a certain way. And so, so for Walker Tribeca, we've, we used four different interior designers. Because, because of this experience where I'm like, you know what, like, I want an incredible cocktail lounge that looks like it's been around since the Victoria era. I want everyone that walks in there to think that I took a sledgehammer and hit that door and broke the brick down and I discovered this room, which is partially correct, actually. (laughs) So (laughs) we did, we did, we did, we did do that. But like, um, but yeah, there there is truth to that. But like, of course, we had to put in new floors, for instance. And those new floors, they came from the 1800s, um, from some old building that we were able to buy. And and that was because I hired this incredible uh, interior designer named Johnny McCormick, who's a a small shop. It's just him, you know, and his wife. And um, and he's he's in Brooklyn, and that's his craft. And he's craft. He's done a dozen incredible, incredible bars, um, mostly in Brooklyn, um, and his home that is just... It's gorgeous, and but they're all from that Victoria era, and like that's what he does. That's what he's incredible at. And I, there's no way anyone can replicate what he does, you know. And so, and so we've and so for the different areas of the hotel that I wanted to look a certain way, I look for that person that's great at that craft. And and I'll tell you, it's a lot of work. <laughs> it's a lot of work because I'm because most people want to say, hey, I'm hiring an interior designer. That interior designer, you know, take any great hotel. Um, you know, they, they're hiring interior designer to do the bar, to do the restaurant, to the rooms, the lobby, and the rooftop. And guess what? They all look the same. <laughs> they, they, you know, they're, they're just like slight derivatives from one another. And, and that's cool. It doesn't mean it's bad. They may all look great. But personally, I, don't, I didn't want that experience in my hotels. I, in, in, in the Walker Tribeca, I should say. For that one, I wanted different spaces that look different. Yeah, that's so cool. I love that. I think that's a really smart way to approach things. And it sounds like you've learned kind of from experience uh, a little more how that needs to look in the real world. So um, the results are outstanding. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I learned I learned my lesson on that one. I, that specific designer, I'm like, hey, this doesn't work out. This isn't looking the way my things look like. And he's like, okay, I can redo it. He redid it. It looked... <laughs> Exactly, very similar to the way he originally did it. I'm like, I'm like, I don't think you're getting what I want here. <laughs> I mean, I'm like, I don't want it to look contemporary. Like that's not the design that um, we're you're showing me on the mood boards. Like that's not what we talked about 20 times. And and the guy couldn't get it. I, I you know I usually give people multiple chances, and finally we just like have to let them go. And you know you know we, we tossed that all up and started from zero. But um, 
but um but it, you know it's you know these these projects are really important you know they're they're, uh, they're the diamond that you know we're we're creating do you have any projects currently in the works or in the pipeline that you'd be able to share with us so i i, I have a a, pro, a really great project that i'm working on i can't name it um but it is a beautiful um it's a beautiful piece of land in napa valley sonoma county and um in, in you know north of san francisco that is um is going to be this incredible indoor outdoor experience with with talking about experiences i mean um we we are layering on the guest experience here you know you could do everything from uh being on the water to like hiking to like outdoor you know bars and like picking your own like you know uh, picking some of your own ingredients from the garden to have it cooked, maybe even being able to fish and have the cook, you know, cook it for you like a, like in a pan, like pan lunch. Um, like it's just, it's like, um, it's, it's, it's going to be, we're going to have like some, you know, we're not going big into glamping tents, but um, this place is zoned to have a few. And so we're going all in on the glamping tents. Um, so there's, there's some, there's some cool hotel rooms on site which we're, we're gutting and renovating and making beautiful, but the expansion space, because it's hard to build a lot of rooms in that area, the expansion space for us is to create like really incredible, um, um, glamping tents. And so we, I don't want to just create a glamping tent. I don't like that concept in general. Um, um I mean, I shouldn't say I don't like it. I, I'm, I, I think I like it, but for me personally to serve, serve my guests, I want it to be super luxurious. I want it to be a home. And so we're, we're trying to design these, these, these homes to be large and have a living room and a bedroom and, a, and its own private bathroom. I don't want it to feel and, and have it be as soundproof as possible, which is, which is really hard sometimes um, to be soundproof in these, these tents. But, um, but we're figuring out all these challenges all in once, um, working with code and zoning and, and everything else. But, um, but that's a really, really... Um, that's our next, that's our, that's our next, um, project. Um, we're, we're kind of currently in the, in the stages of, uh, finalizing a contract, um, to buy the property, which is why I can't chat about it. But, um, but we're very, we're very close. Um, and that's going to be a super exciting West coast project for us drive to destination resort, which is what we're focused on these days. Um, and, um, and really being able to, to, to craft, a, a lifelong memory for every guest that steps on uh, on the property. That's like really important to me. That's really exciting. I can't wait to see that project take shape. Yeah. No. Thank you. Yeah. That that one's that's one's gonna be great. So we're we're excited about that. And you know we're also working on a, a potential you know hotel in New Orleans as well. Again, it's it's early. That would be a, a Walker Hotel expansion for us. So we're trying to expand that brand uh, to to other locations as well if the bones of the building fit, fit what we're doing. Well, as far as, uh, you know, the final question we always like to ask, if you have any thoughts, um, that you'd like to share related to like the future of the industry, um, is there anything that you're, you know, kind of looking forward to, or that's on your mind and you'd like to explore further, or you're just kind of keeping your eye on it regarding, you know, the future of hospitality, travel or real estate? Yeah, you know, I mean, I think that um, outside of what we've we've we we chatted about around um, like kind of experiences and people wanting to spend more, and I think that accelerates. I think that gets um, 
bigger and bigger. I think the the times of a wasted evening um, at a commoditized product um, are more going away. Um, you know, I, I do think uh, I, I do think that people start getting sick of uh, the more Airbnb experiences, um, which don't which really don't have an experience. I think those kind of replace the Holiday Expresses in the long run. Um, but I, I, you know, one, you know, I think that like, um, for me, um, I could see a way where we, where hotels, um, get back more of the share that online travel agents take, um, by, by better incentivizing people to book direct. And I don't, I don't know when that will happen, but I hope it happens soon because, yeah. We could charge a lot less, you know, if, uh, if our expense load wasn't so high to, to these aggregators. And I do have a feeling that people value points less now than our parents do. So, so um, points are important for sure. Um, but I do see it over the coming decades that they become less important. So if I, if I were to say some, you know, aggressive thing about the future, you know, I do think that like, you know, people care less about the about, about points as they care and, 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 and which, which touches on the fact that I think people are willing to pay more for experience. They care more about just staying in the place they want to stay. They don't want just that commoditized room. And so points don't matter as much anymore, you know? And so you may, you may start seeing these like Marriott's, you know, really, and you've already seen it, um, just becoming more and more independent in a way. And they're just more of like a booking engine for their independent hotels. Definitely. Well, Ati, I thank you so much uh, for taking yeah. time to chat with us today. Uh, if people want to find out more about Bridgeton, how can they do that? So, yeah, so they can um, they can go on Bridgeton.com in about two months <laughs> because um, in December, we're launching our new website, which will, which will we actually took it down. Um, Bridgeton.com right now is mostly about our hotels. So they can go to Bridgeton.com right now, see some of our hotels, some of our restaurants, um, but a much grander Bridgeton.com is being launched in December, uh, 2021. And, um, and it will talk more about our larger business and about more of our projects and, and how we think about things and whatnot. But that's a, that's a great place to look. Awesome. Well, T, thank you so much again. And, uh, we can't wait to see every uh, thing you guys have planned and it start to be developed. Thank you so much, guys. Really great to connect. Thanks. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Future Hospitality Podcast. If you enjoyed today's topic and episode, please leave us a review. If you'd like to learn more about Longitude, you can visit longitudebranding.com to see our portfolio of design work, read our insights blog, and learn more about our team. You can also find us on Instagram and Facebook by searching for Longitude Branding.